Well, hey, welcome to the Vineyard. Uh, good to be with you all this morning. My name is Ryan. I'm on staff here. I'm one of the I'm one of the pastors and on the board. And I want to follow up. We um, did our Stop for the One series, and that was all about living life. That's about being available to Jesus and really about. Uh, reaching people, loving people. Jesus sought the lost and the weak and the broken and the outcast. And I want to share with you an amazing opportunity that uh, stands in front of us. So my lovely, much better half, Carla, she has a great uh, thing. She, yeah, is here for Carla. Thanks. Is this on? Okay. Um, I just want to share a few, a few weeks ago, we talked about fostering and adoption and um, just how kids come into the care at, with nothing. Um, they have sometimes only the clothes that they have on. Um, and also, in northern Kentucky, there is no clothing ministry for foster or kinship kids. And I'm so excited to announce today that um, the vine dresser is a ministry of Vineyard Florence that is a clothing shop for um, foster and kinship children um, that we are starting here, and it'll get rolling in the beginning of January, and um, I couldn't be more thrilled. Um, there is nothing like it in Northern Kentucky. A lot of people have to go over into Cincinnati to get help with that, but we're going to be um, meeting the needs and blessing those families right here in our church. So, <laughs> it's um, super exciting, and it's, it's just been a dream of mine. So, um, I just want to let you know there's lots of ways that you can help with that, though. You can donate clothing. Um, I think it's up there. But it, after the service, I'll be in the lobby, and I can answer any questions. But it will be kids' clothing only. Um, and you can donate things anytime the office hours are here, uh, Monday through Friday, 9 to 1. And, oh, Monday through Thursday, 9 to 1. Um, but there's other ways that you can volunteer and help sort clothes. You can give financially. We also will have a 24-7 donation drop-off, like an after-hours sort of thing. And... Um, we have an awning frame that needs an awning on it. So if anybody, if that's your wheelhouse and you can donate with something like that or donate a waterproof um, like pool deck box or something for our after hours, that would be great too. You could see me about those things. But um, we will be on Facebook and Instagram also. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, amen. <clears throat> Yeah, that's uh, so if you have a group that's met in the blue room, that's now the black and white room, now the vine dresser room. So we're, we're sorry you've been displaced, but it's for a really great cause, and we've got a really great space that's going to serve as a store where families can come and get things for their kids. And uh, foster care is really hard. It's really these kids, like she said, come with nothing, and it's a great opportunity for our church to serve people. And one of the ways, like, like she said, you can jump in, you can volunteer, you can give time to sorting. You can give time to helping with the store, or you can give, donant, uh, give financially or drop things off. It's awesome. So thank you, Carla. She's been working tirelessly on that. Um, also, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to so many of you who gave, who showed up, who, who helped deliver meals for our Thanksgiving, our Thanksgiving outreach. We were able to give meals to about 256 families. Yeah. 
And we delivered those all over the city. And those, so those were bags with turkeys and all the goodies and all the stuff. And a lot of people were blessed. And we just got to encounter a lot of people in prayer who were in deep need. Um, I mean, I met a lady the other day. Uh, David Frankenberg and I went and uh, like delivered. And this lady literally had nothing. And she was raising two grandkids. And um, just to start sharing her story, her daughter was murdered. And uh, they still don't know who. And she just opened up to us. And it was just sad. And she's, you know, loves her grandkids, but she's kind of left at this place of life where she's old, raising young babies and then mourning the loss of her daughter and trying to fill a bunch of... And so it made an impact. What we did made an impact. Um, Her story, there's lots of other ones. It's just one that David and I got to experience. So there's hurting people, and you guys help. So thank you. And... um, Let's hear it for Chris Cousin. Chris isn't here today. <clears throat> Chris organized this. Um, like I said, these 256 meals blessed over 1,000 people. So your time, money, prayers, uh, donation of groceries was huge. So, um, so this time of year, um, you know, after Thanksgiving, as Autumn said, we start celebrating Christmas. If you're, like, if you're like me and my mother-in-law, I, like my mother-in-law never turns Christmas movies off, and my little kids are just like that, I can turn them on about after Halloween. I kind of started getting into it. Uh, David was, I was hanging with him and bothered him that 93.3 turns the Christmas music like on November 1st. I love it. Like, I can't get enough, all right? So maybe it's the last name, whatever it is, or my beard's getting white, but I just love Christmas. But I also know this is a time of a lot of stress. It's a lot of stress because of presence, because of envy, because of the financial, because we, we feel acutely losses this time of year. And is anyone stressed by, financi- by um, supply chain delays? Anyone worried about ordering stuff or you've gone to order it's not there? Or, hey, it'll be there in March. So good luck, um, but like Santa and his elves just can't deliver. They're on back order because they're waiting for Hong Kong to send computer chips too, you know? Um, even Santa doesn't make everything. So it's like, I think that sometimes, um, you know, there can be a lot of stress associated with Christmas about getting the right gift or about giving the right present, right? And um, all the effort that we put into it, just it being perfect, can suck the joy out of it. Um, I just ordered something the other day, and immediately my wife looked at me. She goes, was it from a legit site, and would be here on time? Because a couple years ago, we ordered my son a Lamar Jackson jersey. Um, my son, uh, he loves football, and we ordered this jersey, and we thought it was, like, great. But then he tells us, like, Dad, like, the number should be on, like, a baby jersey, not a man. And then we started looking where it came from. It came from, like, Singapore, or the other side of the earth, and it was a knockoff. And so he's like, I don't want to wear a knockoff. And we're like, what? We got this for you. We were so proud of ourselves. It was a great deal. It got there like, you know, like last minute and it wasn't the right thing. So we spent all this time, all this effort, money, and it was just not the right thing. And it's kind of a little warped and off. But we didn't know that. Um, does anyone wish you could feel like this instead at Christmas time? Want to show that? Do it, do it. 
It's easy to despair because we can't be or give or get as much as we want. And we don't feel like that, but I think deep down, like we laugh, but like, I kind of wish I felt like that more. Sometimes I can be, be like a curmudgeon or like a pragmatist and just kind of, you know, a little down or a little like, oh, we can't do, you know, it's just like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be Reverend Killjoy and, and I can't be. And I think sometimes that um, it's easy to forget, like, the best things in life are free. Uh, didn't Janet Jackson and Luther Vandross once sing that a long time ago? But if, we, but if we're really honest, our waiting, our searching, our toiling, our efforts show we don't believe that. And it kills our joy and kills the joy of people around us. And really, honestly, I think we're left feeling like Charlie Brown left feeling like that guy and saying, can anyone tell us what Christmas is all about? So we're going to show one more little video clip. And then...
Yeah, it's, it's the real gift, the real present we all long for, I think, is the presence. The real thing that I think is missing and evasive this time of year is the presence of Jesus. We're so worried about giving and getting the right gifts, where what we're going to talk about in this series that we're doing in the next four weeks is about how we can embody the gifts that God means to give to his world that has no supply chain hang up, that doesn't, have, that doesn't fade, that doesn't need batteries, that doesn't tarnish, that doesn't break, and isn't very easily stuffed in the closet. But it is easily re-gifted. The things we're going to talk about, about joy, about faith, about hope, about love, about peace. These are the things that, like the Christmas presents, C-E, are really better than the Christmas presents. Because those are things that God wants us to give in mass all year long. And if we have those things, we're going to be... Uh, less uh, reliant upon everything in this season working perfectly, getting here on time, getting the right thing or giving the right thing. It's about being the right thing. So in Luke chapter five, uh, we're gonna read a story. We're gonna focus in on some Christmas characters in this and we're gonna be doing some sharing of stories as we're sharing the Christmas story to illustrate. And these aren't really points that we made up. These are points that I believe God presented very uh, very carefully and um, obviously in the scripture. So in Luke chapter one, verses five through 17, it says this. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of, uh, uh, priestly division of Abijah. And his, wife, and his wife Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron. So she was of the real priestly house and he was part of the priestly house, but she was a descendant of Aaron which was an even greater deal. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So there was this thing that, being a Jew, that um, you actually, the way the perpetuation of the Jewish, Jewish race was, that you, um, you could tell you were Jewish not by your father's lineage, but by your mother's. Because you come from, from your mother, so that you pass through her. So the father gave you to her in the seminal sense, but then you pass through her, and that's where your real Jewish heritage is rooted. So I have, I have a mom who's Jewish and a dad who's not. If my dad was just Jewish, I couldn't really say, I could say I have Jewish heritage, just not Jewish descent. Because he could be a practicing, he could be like a Hellenistic Jew, which is basically a non-Jew Jew. And so, because my mom was Jewish, and so anyway, so she couldn't, so when they mention her priestly lineage, there's something special about that. But she was childless. So she couldn't perpetuate. So women didn't have a lot of rights in that society, but the blessing of being a woman was that you could give birth to Jewish children. So it's like the Spartans, anyone ever seen, uh, I like the movie 300, and they say, well, what's so special about Spartan women? And she says, we give birth to Spartan men. And it was like that sense of like, hey, we're the ones that carry these, these grand next generations. We're the ones that give birth to them. So we might not be able to beat you up in war, but you can't do something we can do. So even Elizabeth had this lineage, but she couldn't do the one thing that um, was considered most important in their culture for a woman to do. 
And so once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest for God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go in the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning incense came, all the assembled worshipers were outside praying. Then an angel appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You're to call him John. You want to talk about a supply chain delay? (laughs) These were people that, um, you know, were pretty old. And so Zechariah is maybe thinking like, she's past, what these words mean is she's past like menopause and he might be in an era when he needed like a Viagra and didn't have any. They were this kind of old, okay? So it was like he's kind of looking at the angels. When he says, how could this be? This wasn't just some faithless dude. I mean, he's really thinking practically, probably on a lot of levels. Like, that time's way past, and we might be great-grandparent age. So to do this was pretty hard. Um, And Zechariah, he says, don't be afraid. He will be a joy. And he says, Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you're to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He'll never take wine from a drink, dot, dot, dot. He will bring many back of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Last week we talked about John, right? That he was the harbinger, the forerunner for Jesus who would call people back, who would set the stage. He's Jesus' cousin. John the Baptist is one of the most pivotal Uh, people in the entire Bible in the sense that he embodied the spirit of Elijah and Elijah was the great prophet. Moses and Elijah were the great prophets. David was the great king. So if you look at the kind of hall of fame in the Bible, it's Abraham, Moses, Elijah, and David. There's other great guys, but those are the ones that like, and John was to embody that spirit says, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah, turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to wisdom and righteousness to make ready a people for the Lord. And after this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. So it was. So this thing, this gift that she longed for, a lot of times, God is rarely early, never late, always on time. So sometimes when we think we need this gift, or we, sometimes we think we need this thing, God just shows up at the time when it's like all hope is lost. And really, that, that waiting can steal our joy, can it? When you're really waiting for something, longing for something, and you watch other people get it, like that cherry valance of their own, can it be heartbreaking when you've waited a long time? Or when you saw other people get theirs, or when you saw maybe people get better than yours? It can be really hard, but... The thing about joy is, is joy is not one of those things that's dependent upon our circumstance. Do you know that? That joy isn't about a person or a thing, it's about the presence of God in our lives. And Elizabeth, uh, she had great joy. She said, the Lord has done this for me. And I love backing up. It says she was blameless, that she followed God with all she had. She didn't stop following Jesus because she didn't get the gift she wanted when she wanted it. How many of us just kind of give up or fade out because the ball doesn't bounce our way? But, but when you meet people of great faith, it's like they weren't just people that usually always had it all together. They're the ones that hung in there over the long term. 
that their consistency spoke to their sincerity, and they followed Jesus step by step over and over again. And I want to tell you today that if your life may have no to other people might look sad, it might look disappointing, it might look like um, not prosperous, but hanging in there with the Lord, that's the best, most profitable thing you can do in your life. And God doesn't need grand circumstances, deep pockets, or all the good for our lives to have great meaning or for us to have great joy. It says at that time, uh, like Elizabeth said, he has shown me great favor and taken away my disgrace amongst the people. And, and Mary was Elizabeth's cousin. So this family, there's a great thing. So Mary was a very young woman getting pregnant at the wrong time. Elizabeth was a very old person getting pregnant at the wrong time. But God did his best work at what looked like the most unlikely suspects in the most unlikely of times. See, it doesn't have to look the right way for it to be the Lord. And that's where joy comes in. It's like, Lord, in, it's, in Psalm 1611, it says, in your presence is the fullness of joy. It doesn't say, when everything's going great is joy. When I got lots of money in the bank is the fullness of joy. When my spouse is treating me the way I want is the fullness of joy. When I'm single, it's the fullness of joy. When I'm traveling, no, it says, in your presence is the fullness of joy. And Elizabeth and Mary both seem to be people that had the fullness of joy even, even when the ball wasn't bouncing their way. So when Elizabeth heard her cousin Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leaped, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she explained, Blessed are you amongst women, and blessed is a child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my joy should come, uh, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greetings reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. When it was time for Elizabeth to have, a ba- have her baby, she gave birth to a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. See, I love this. Like, even like Elizabeth could have been like, oh, no, Lord, oh, this is awful. But at the right time, the Lord gave her that child. And our joy is contagious. So couldn't she have maybe been a little embarrassed or a little upset? Well, why didn't you give me a baby when I was Mary's age, when it made more sense? Or I got this son, but why are you giving her the Messiah, not me? Any of you do that with presents? Oh, well, my neighbor gave their, like, he, like you feel all good about it. Then you're like, oh, well, my neighbor gave my kids, their kids this. And then you kind of feel embarrassed. Or, oh, well, you got this, and I really wanted that. Or, oh, that's not the color I wanted. Elizabeth had a life of great joy. That so whether she was getting hers, wasn't getting hers, or someone was even getting, even getting better than hers, she could have great joy and rejoice in it. See, that's what joy is. Joy that comes from the Lord isn't contingent upon outward things. Isn't contingent upon what other people get. Isn't contingent upon maybe what we haven't gotten. See, like, like this pursuit of happiness clouds our culture, and I don't think, happiness is a very temporary thing, like it's an ephemeral thing, like, right? Like, if I, Scott, if I, if I hand you $100, you'll be happy. But if I punch him in the face, he won't be happy, and then he could probably kill me in one punch, because he's Scott. 
so maybe I picked the wrong guy on that example. But it's like, um, but the happiness can, it, it, it's, very, it's very circumstantial. Joy is like whether I'm getting 100 bucks or I'm punched in the face, Jesus, you're enough. Does that make sense? So happiness is just a feeling. Like, ooh, that milkshake was good. Like, you know, when you're doubled over a little while later and maybe you got a lactose allergy that developed or you didn't know about, it's not so good. Joy is either way, if you got the milkshake or the lactose intolerance, Jesus, thank you for what I have. And I think it's many of us are stuck on the fact that we got the wrong one, the wrong color, the wrong model. Or maybe we give the wrong one, the wrong color, and the wrong model because we're trying to give people things that aren't of the Lord. See, the presence is the best present. If you want to give people a gift and you want to be a gift to people, it's about joy. I've heard joy is this. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. The selfless life, the giving life, the loving life, the humble life, that's the way of Jesus. And many of us are way more like, like Zechariah than Elizabeth, right? Where it's like, Lord, how are you going to do this? And then the Lord just like makes him mute. It's like, just shut up, dude. Angel's like, you're just not going to talk for a while. That's so stupid. And sometimes the Lord mutes our lives because we refuse to accept what he's giving us. Sometimes the Lord mutes our purposes. He mutes like our relationships, he mutes our impact for a season until we can just shut up and let and take in what he's given us. And I'll tell you, friends, a lot of times, none of us will be promoted ever until we get these baseline things of joy, of faith, of hope, of love, of peace. Because the Lord doesn't just want us to have something for us to hoard. He wants us to be those for other people. And real joy comes from living a God-bearing life. And so um, I'm going to invite my friend Lynn up. Lynn Androvic is going to share with you about some stuff about joy that um, she has. Lynn's, uh, Lynn's on our content team. She's on the announcements, and she just loves outreach and mission. And I'll just, I'm uh, going to, let's hear it for Lynn Androvic. Um, in northern Kentucky for about two and a half years since my family moved. And I wanted to let you know how excited I am to have this opportunity to share a little bit about my testimony about joy, and it's probably not the one you expect. People that know me, well, I want to back up. The purpose of sharing my testimony today is to remind all of us that the joy and the presence of Jesus is the present we can give others. So I'm going to start by sharing my joy rebuilding story. And it's probably going to be a surprise to you because people know how silly I am, how hearty my laugh is, how I'm an encourager like Barnabas, how full of energy I am. And I just wanted to give you this picture of how I can be seen walking my dog or doing outreach ministries just to give you an example of how silly um, people know that I am. My husband doesn't even want to walk with me when I wear hats like that. So it's probably a surprise to you 
to find out that I'd actually lost my joy and hadn't even realized that I'd lost it. And God has had me on this amazing joy rebuilding journey. And it started out um, that I discovered that I lost it when I was on a mission trip with some women in Kenya. And it was so cool because the team of women goes there. They equip women there with simple tools to share the gospel, to disciple their families, the community, wildly successful, super powerful, like, go girl stuff. And I was so stoked to be on that team and doing what I was wired to do, encouraging and equipping women. And one morning I was with the team and I just saw them all smiling and laughing. And I thought, I wonder why I'm not like that. Like, I'm happy, but I, I'm just not like that. And that launched my joy rebuilding journey. And a couple years ago, I started talking to a counselor about our transition here from Northern Kentucky and, and working hard with him to uncover some baggage. I discovered that I had over the years pushed all of my emotions down to keep going. And I, although I was always fine, I'd kind of lost my emotional lows and I'd lost my emotional highs. And through all of that, I'm going to tell you, it, it is not fun, but it's totally worth it because now I actually have the highs and the lows and God is still having me on this journey to rebuild childlike joy that he calls us all to have. Um, and this was a really important step on launching my kingdom ministry process because if I couldn't feel my emotions, then I couldn't feel the Holy Spirit and I couldn't, I couldn't be uh, what I call it my antenna. I couldn't hear what he had to say to me. And it's allowed me to have really powerful encounters, more encounters to be able to connect the Holy Spirit to people for emotional, physical and spiritual healing. And so it's been an amazing journey. But he still has me on this journey. And he keeps bringing me to people to help me learn how to be more joyful. Groups of women that have gifts of joy. Prophetic joy that they're, that they're giving and blessing me with. Um, classes about transformational mind thinking and beliefs training. And one of the things that I've actually been doing from this class is declaring every day that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And it's shifting me. It's kidding me in this shift of positivity to smile, laugh, and to be infectious with joy. Um, some of the things I'm going to be sharing briefly Ryan, it's going to be briefly, is about um, what I've been learning in this class, some of what the Bible has to say on joy and some scientific stuff about joy. I'm an engineer. I can't help it. All right, so if we talk about this math equation I have about joy, I've got a slide for it. We all know that God is love, and we all know that love is in the Bible a whole bunch. Love is in the Bible um, 551 times. But if you count the number of times that the word joy is in the Bible, 218 times, and the time that rejoice is in the Bible, 258 times, that's a total of 476 words about joy in the Bible. There are uh, 728,000 words in the Bible. So when you look at the amount of words in the Bible, virtually the amount of love and joy 
are about the same. And that's super significant. That's a high emphasis on joy because it's God is love. It's almost the same amount. So um, I've been processing in the Bible what God has to say about joy. And the, the verse from John 15, 11 is something I've really been chewing over quite a bit. I have told you these things that you may be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And if joy is so important to God, how do we not only become full of it, but overflow with it? Well, there's mountains of research on how to be joyful. And I'm going to highlight a study from this book that was recommended from the people that run the class. And, it, and, it, and it, the, even in the title, it, it talks about thanks and gratitude. Well, this study in this book, as you can see from the graph, is pretty much what Ryan said, that 10% of the studies, the studies show 10% is on circumstances, what gives us joy. So that's virtually nothing, because just like Ryan said, we're supposed to have joy in all circumstances. So I want to take a little bit of time and talk about the two main factors. And one is predisposition, or our set point, kind of like our genetics, and the other is intentional activities. So as far as intentional activities go, there's lots of lists in the internet and loads of books, and they talk about simple tools that we can do to intentionally make ourselves more joyful. Simple things like smiling, watching buddy movies, elf, laughing, connecting with friends, walking outside. Almost every single list that I saw included gratitude. And I think, how cool is it that on Thanksgiving weekend, that we think we're focusing on joy, but there's that really strong connection with gratitude. God knows what he's doing, right? God's timing is always perfect. So there are lots of studies that talk about gratitude and how when you practice it daily, how it actually rewires your neurotransmitters and it creates this positive spiral that happens it's not only, you know, thinking grateful things, it's expressing, it's receiving, it's journaling. And this is not something that we do just once a year on Thanksgiving weekend. This is something that we should be doing every single day. There's research that talks about how it actually changes your body chemistry with your dopamine and your serotonin, which is responsible for your emotions. God has wired us that way to be able to be grateful, and actually increase the joy in our lives. So let's look at the second major factor about joy, which is genetic predisposition. What does God have to say about how we're wired? Does he give us allowances to be not half full? Does, what does he want us to be? Well, if we process Romans 12 too, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if we go back and look at that graph again, and we think about our genetic predisposition, you can see that our soul, body, heart, mind, and will are part of our set point, our predisposition. 
So how is it that we're going to change all of that? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 tells us that may the God of peace and harmony set us apart, making us completely holy. And may your entire being, here it is, spirit, soul, and body be kept flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus. This is absolutely great news because we don't have to do anything. We are 100% transformed that God does it for us. When we have a relationship with him, he does the transformation for us. I wanted just to kind of go back and talk a little bit how this connects to what the Bible has to say about Christmas. We talked about Elizabeth with her contagious joy. We talked about um, Mary being full of Jesus and so full of joy and gratitude that she breaks out in song. The Christmas story talks about what Linus talked about, that the angel of the Lord, that he came, and with this monumental, world-changing announcement that he had anything he could say about this world-changing announcement, the arrival of Jesus, his birth. And what he chose to say was, Behold, I bring <clears throat> good tidings of great joy, which, is, which shall be to all people. He focused on joy. That is super powerful and important for us to be able to put and, and, and apply in our own lives. The shepherds, they were full of joy hearing about Jesus and sharing testimonies and spreading the good news. And the Magi, they were seeking Jesus for two entire years and had joy in the seeking and the finding. We need to be like all of those examples in the Christmas story. And if we think about that verse John 15, 11, I want to review it one more time. I have told you these things that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. The joy we have should be contagious. It should shift the atmosphere and our family, our friends, our neighbors, our community, our coworkers, that the presence of Jesus in us is the present that we can give others. Yeah, Lynn, that's great stuff. And um, as she was talking, I was typing a note, not checking my fantasy. But something that, that, I, that I really thought is joy is not that I'm happy about everything I have or don't have or that's happened, but that he, he's always with me. And so as we're wrapping up today, I want to ask you is no matter what, do you feel like, can you believe that Jesus is always with you and he's enough? I want to tell you a story about my hero of joy. If you can put a little the picture on the screen. Um, that's my hero of joy, my little girl, Sophia. Um, she's one of the cutest things the Lord ever made. And Sophia is amazing. She's my hero of joy because Sophia was born into really hard circumstances. Sophia was born, and we didn't know it. She was dying when she was born. She's missing parts of her heart and parts that feed to her heart and her lungs. And she's got some um, abnormality and deformity on the inside of her that has uh, caused her, she's had to have, had to have 19 surgeries. Um, she's had hundreds, maybe 
over a thousand doctor's appointments like in her life. Every week still, she still goes to, to like a neurotherapy to basically, to, just because her life's been really hard. So she was born with uh, uh, Tetralogy of Fallot, and that's a heart condition, that's, well, four conditions, and there's four of six possible things. She has all six, and she's also partially deaf, and she's had GI issues, neuro issues, and just a lot of stuff. And you might look at her and say, oh, that's a happy, healthy little girl. Um, and she is a, not just a happy little girl, she is so full of joy. And um, she's had so many limitations. And the Lord's taught me more through her about joy than probably anyone in my life. I remember one time, just I, I was always a person who was very embarrassed by what I didn't have or what I couldn't do or what I lacked and just always postured to try to be something. And one day I got in a big argument with someone who really was uh, just ridiculing me over what I couldn't do. And I said to this guy, I was like, I just had this aha, like about Sophia. And I said, I'm really sorry for you. And I said, I'm really sorry I believed the lie you told me that I had to be good at something to have worth or to enjoy life or to have purpose. And I said, I'm really sorry you believe this garbage too because you know there's a lot of stuff Sophia can't do or she doesn't do great because of physical limitations she's had or a lot of things she hasn't been able to do that other people could where she was recovering from open heart surgery or this surgery or that surgery. And there was just a lot of things she couldn't do but she's never really complained about why me. She's just always joyous and thankful and hopeful and sometimes she gets down but she just brushes it off and she's like, I'm just going back after Jesus. I'm just glad I'm here. And she just keeps going for it. And, and, and that to me is what joy is. It's not what we don't have, what wasn't given to us or what was given to us wasn't like what other people got or wasn't maybe what we could or couldn't give but it was about like just, Lord, this might be really hard but I'm just gonna love you with all I have anyways. That's what joy is. Joy's not about lack. It's not about have. It's about Jesus. And the best present you or I can ever give someone else is the presence of joy in our lives. It helps us to love effectively. It helps us to be loved effectively. And it helps us just to take what he gave us and to rejoice with it and say, Lord, whether I'm getting the baby now or then, or maybe I don't get the baby ever, or maybe I get this or I never get that. It's about you're enough for me, Jesus, so I can rejoice in that. That I was on this course towards nothing, towards uh, oblivion, towards hell, towards wreck, and you intercepted me and you met me. And so I have great joy because you are in my life. That's what presence is. God with us is the promise of the presence. The presence of God was the best present of God. And like Lynn said, it's about Thanksgiving. So we're just gonna take a few minutes. I'm gonna invite the prayer teams up and I want everyone to just do this exercise with me. I want you to ask God, say, Lord, what are 10 things I could be thankful for? And if you're sitting there, it's okay to count on your fingers. Just be like, Lord. But it's amazing doing this regularly, like Lynn said, can change our life. Like having top lines that we make space for. That, Lord, I thank you for my wife. So if I'm thankful for my wife, maybe I should spend time with her. Lord, I th I'm thankful for my shoes. 
They might smell, they might have holes, but I'm thankful at least I got shoes. Jesus, I'm thankful for my coat. Jesus, I'm thankful for my kids. They might not be the, like someone else's kids or the place I wish my kids were, but I thank you for my kids. Whatever it is, let's just stop and let's, I'm gonna shut up and we're just gonna thank God. So everyone just say, God, what are 10 things to be thankful for? And then thank him. And maybe you don't have joy. Maybe things are really hard and you want joy. Or maybe you have joy and things are still really hard. We'd love to pray with you today. So come Holy Spirit. Just show us a life of gratitude, not just a day of gratitude. He wants to have a life. A day is a great starting point, but it's not the end game. Jesus, we just thank you. I'm thankful personally for people who will tell me truths I don't want to hear. I've heard a lot of lately. Thankful for a wife who loves me no matter what. Thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for the worship team. I'm thankful for the people here. I'm thankful for prayer that I can talk to you. I'm thankful for my neck, for my head, for my body. I'm thankful for it. Thankful for... um, say my neck because my neck hurts a little bit but I'm thankful I got one thankful Lord that you meet me thankful that you love me thank you for um, kindness for family thankful that you have what I need even when I don't see what I need we love you Lord we bless you it's in your mighty and beautiful name worship team's going to keep playing if you want prayer come get it Let's be the gifts this world longs for, people who are bearers of the presence.